it's time for you to meet the real Agent Argyle. Oh my god. Oh my god. Oh my god. Welcome to Read, Watch, Play, your dive into the stories we love, uh, using that term generously, and how they're adapted. <laughs> we read the books so you don't have to. We are coming to you live from, I don't even know, dude. It's Greece, <laughs> somewhere in this movie. This is episode eight. We're covering Argyle. My name is Randy Barrage, and I'm here with my pal Nick Hingston, who stars in this movie almost as much as John Cena and Julia do, which is essentially not at all. Here we go. That was kind of a shock to me how little they were in it. You, <laughs> that was the biggest really, twist. Yeah, you're you're really setting the scene here. I don't think you. Uh, I don't think you're gonna have very many nice things to say today. I, I'm bringing Are Nick you? Hingston shining energy into this. Like, hey, if, you, if you need to talk, we have a support group, like a rage support yeah. group. I listened to that we, as a pregame. <laughs> yeah. um, so you're going to outrage me, is what you're saying. You had to figure out I'm gonna what try. I was on. I'm normally a pretty mellow talker, but yeah. I do not feel mellow about this at all. I had a rough, rough time. Um, I mean, first of all, like I just I need a little bit of background on this because how did how did how did this movie and book come into your consciousness? When I went to see Killers of the Flower Moon, I saw the trailer for Argyle. Okay, the, the first trailer that had you know Dua Lipa in it a ton. It had John Cena, Henry Cavill in it a yeah. ton. You're thinking the cast was, of the movie, <laughs> yeah. I thought that's who it was going to be. Because you remember, I was in Killers of the Flower Moon and I texted you and I said, yeah. hey, there's this movie coming out yeah. called Argyle. Apparently, the first book hasn't even been released yet. We should do this one live. And you were like, dope, let's do it. And uh, I guess I'm going to have to apologize to you now. No uh, no need for, for, for everybody. <laughs> I've, I, this was a miss. <laughs> Big time. Uh, it looked cool. The trailers looked great. You have to admit, the trailers looked great. You can you can see why I thought it would be fun to do. I mean, I I don't know if you've seen the Kingsman movies. I, I like I like Matthew Vaughn's. Like, I haven't seen some of his more recent stuff, but X Men okay. First Class, great movie. Mm -hmm. I really liked the first two Kingsman movies. I saw the prequel one on a plane, which movies are better on planes anyway. So it just felt pretty good to me. Kick Ass, yeah. good movie. Um, I didn't so, know you get kick ass. Yeah. So like I was okay. heading into this, like I'm a, I'm a bit of a Matthew Vaughn fan. A stan, um, if you will. Yeah, maybe. And, <laughs> uh, did not come out feeling that way. <laughs> uh, I mean, first, like, did you, when, when you figured out that this was a book as well, I mean, there yeah. was this whole mystery of who the author was. And I don't know if you know, but this week we had breaking news over who the actual author is. Now, I intentionally didn't, didn't look, look it up. I only yeah. read rumors. And I yeah. have two, two thoughts here on yeah. this one. And the first one is not interesting. The second one, I think, is like me way overthinking it. So yeah. the first one is there was a lot of rumors it was Taylor Swift or musician. Yeah. So I looked at that photo in the back, the, the silhouette. Yeah. And I was kind of getting like Ellie Golding vibes. And I was like, okay, <laughs> this would be fun. Yeah. I don't like Ellie know, Golding. I don't, I don't have anything to support that. There's nobody else saying that. It's just what 
the picture kind of looks yeah. like to me. Same name, spelled different, but. Yeah, there you go. That's more thought than I put into it. It just kind of looked like her. So I was like, okay, yeah. yeah. And the second one is that it could be Bryce Dallas Howard because how Hollywood is it to write a book and or base a movie on a book mm-hmm. that you're writing where you play the author in this like meta world about your book? I don't know. It yeah. just feels so Hollywood to do that. And yeah. I mean, again, and she's I don't Hollywood. Have, I mean, Sean Howard's she's core Hollywood. Yeah. 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 She's, she's like Illuminati Hollywood. <laughs> yeah. I mean, she's great. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. No, no, I, like, I, yeah I, I like her. her but yeah. yeah. It's so I've put almost no thought into that one yeah. as well, other than that feels like a very Hollywood thing to do. Yeah. I was thinking, I, I wouldn't have been surprised if it was her either. Um, and for people who like aren't as in the know, as we are, like the way we're talking about this, essentially this book was coming out as a tie-in book and it released three, four weeks ago, early January, maybe on my yeah, birthday. It January, January 9th, it released. 9th, okay, a little bit after. And, you know, the movie just came out last Thursday, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and it was a tie-in. I mean, in the... The story goes is that they were they originally wanted to option the rights to a different spy thriller from Terry Hayes, uh, and they couldn't they couldn't get it they couldn't get the book. So Matthew Vaughn, the director, pitched the idea of this whole expansive franchise of this, and let's write a tie-in book. Let's have this movie um, where this movie we'll get into it is supposed to be book four or book five of this franchise and book the book five. we read is like the prequel <laughs> i'm like i literally no fucking idea what's going on so i'm just i don't like the curse a lot but we're just gonna bleep some stuff out because i'm gonna fucking go off in this one uh just completely ridiculous um i was reading this book and i didn't know who it was at the time and there were points i was honestly thinking was this written by ai like is the is this the first go of a book written by artificial just to get it done in time for the movie. Um, and then I was thinking maybe this was Matthew Vaughn's first crack at a novel. Um, Oh, okay. And I was, I had this whole monologue prepared for you and for, you know, people who actually listen to this podcast of like, you know what? I don't like to slam things. I don't like to be a dick and I can't write, I can't write a book. No. And if this was an author's, it sounds like we're not going to be a, a first attempt here. This is some, like an established author. But if it was an author's first attempt, it's not a bad first attempt for a publisher. No. And I'm not going to like be like toxic or mean to this person who went out and tried to write a book. They're probably super excited that this got yeah. like picked up. And I don't, I, I know if I were them, like I'd be scouring the internet. Like, what do people think of this? And if I saw some Two Joe Schmoes over here with their dumbass podcast. Two white guys on with fire. a podcast. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, I, I'd be like, F- off. Like, what are you even talking about? You go write a book. But you know what? This wasn't. This was complete corporate marketing synergy bullshit, which I almost threw up saying those words in a row. To just get this out, they asked Terry Hayes, whose book they originally wanted, to just, hey, can you and Tammy, don't even remember her name, write this really quick for us? And they put it out. And just got so ahead of their skis on making this a franchise and just instead of focusing on making a good f***ing movie the first time around. I was just, what is going on here? Like, I just don't get it. Um, we'll get more into that. Um, 
but that's so it was these two these two authors the one who they originally wanted whose book terry hayes they wanted to originally option, okay. which i never read anything from her but i saw one of our friends kevin actually just was had on good reads they were reading one of their books um but so that's the story i mean there was the taylor swift theory i'm sure you saw that um, of course i saw that that's how yeah. i got to ellie golding <laughs> yeah which is apparently because like she has the same cat i guess as so the cat is matthew vaughn's cat which I'm I shocked that, that cat. this cat wasn't even CGI because it looks so bad. But apparently people thought it was Taylor Swift because I guess in the Taylor Swift movie, I don't know if this is the recent one or not, she carries around a cat, the same cat in a similar case. So the okay. uh, Swifties were okay. like, Taylor wrote this. And I'm like, do you know how busy Taylor Swift is? And also, do you think Taylor Swift would attach herself to something as garbage as this? Probably not. No. <sighs> anyway now if Taylor um, Swift had wrote it it probably would have been a lot better yeah who knows or yeah I mean pretty low bar but yeah, is what fair. it is and also uh, we're gonna have to circle back to something wait <laughs> you said we're in the know like you and I are these Hollywood insiders that know <laughs> anything about anything yeah I, we do half-assed internet research <laughs> yeah I mean we we work on the Google machine but but we're not in the know like let's let's set the True. bar straight for people yeah. who actually listen to us we don't have any inside information we don't know anybody cool that can give us inside information like yeah <laughs> that's funny that is very true I, I was gonna call you out but then you were just so passionate i had to let you finish yeah thank you yeah i kind of feel like we just watched uh, the movie i tanya where the one guy in it completely overstates his credentials he actually lives in his mom's basement but he like says he works in counterintelligence and i'm like that's literally what i just did <laughs> um i whatever. love that scene when so the good. reporter at the end of that movie is grilling him on his credentials and he's just floundering it he's is so funny to me yeah. and uh, it's not made up at all <laughs> no this, some guy really did this that's yeah. that's why it's so funny is that somebody yeah. did that and thought they were going to get away with it yeah it's wild. Anyway, um, well, you know what somebody didn't get away with was making this awful movie because uh, we're going to put them on blast right here. Actually, we'll see. Well, Actually, I've come around. A you are going to put them on blast. Yeah. Like <laughs> we'll talk about the book. Um, okay. But yeah, I mean, for those for those who are new here, you know, we cover adaptations. We focus the first half ish of the podcast on the source material. We're going to talk about the book, some of that stuff, and then we'll get into the movie. Um Nick, if people want to follow along and write in about how terrible this movie is, where can they do that? Yeah. So the best way to reach us is on Instagram. You can find us at Read, Watch, Play Podcast on Instagram. Randy, please <laughs> verify that. I think you can find us at Read, Watch, Play Podcast yep. on Instagram. But you know, we check that every day. Anytime you're writing comments to us, we want to respond. If you want to look at the upcoming episodes, and if you have thoughts on any of those and you want to write in, we'd be more than happy to include you. So definitely go follow us on Instagram. It's also where you're going to get the latest information. Uh, you're obviously listening to this on either Apple or Spotify podcast. So thank you so much for doing that. Please follow us and rate us five stars because that helps us get the podcast out for other people to hear. We also have a Gmail that Randy will read because it's readwatchplaypod at gmail.com. Yep, I think I got that right. Yeah. But I don't even have to turn that over to you this time. This yeah. is a win. Let's, your let's just move on. We're going on. Yeah. Let's get out of here. Synopsis of the book. Uh, all right. Hit so me with I, it. I took this from, uh, I do have the book, which I actually didn't look at the back, but I just took this from Penguin Random House's 
I am sure oh, that is exactly what's on the back of the book. Yeah, then. it's it's pretty similar. Um, the their website one's a little longer. So this is in all italics to start, and I'll let you know when the italics end. A luxury train speeding towards Moscow on a date with destiny. A CIA plane downed in the jungles of the Golden Triangle. A Nazi horde entombed in the remote mountains of southwest Poland. A missing treasure, the eighth wonder of the world, lost for seven decades. Italics end. One Russian magnate's dream of restoring a nation to greatness has set in motion a chain of events which will take the world to the brink of chaos. Only Francis Coffey, the CIA's most legendary spy master, can prevent it. But to do so, she needs someone special. Enter Argyle, a troubled agent with a tarnished past, tarnished past, who may just have the skills to take on one of the most powerful men in the world, if only he can save himself first. That is our book. <laughs> this is our prequel novel starring Aubrey Argyle, whose name they make fun of for reasons I really don't understand in this book. Um, yeah. Is is Aubrey? Not... Is that a weird name? Like, <laughs> he, I, I was so they I like the joke. Count... I think the author knows an Aubrey who was bullied because yeah. I don't know any Aubreys, male or female, but if a, someone came up to me and said their name was Aubrey, I would just take it at face value and be like, okay. Wait, uh, isn't know. that Drake's name, Aubrey Graham? Is it? <laughs> I think so. Um, <laughs> just like, I, yeah. I don't think it's a weird name. I don't but, know. I don't know. Yeah, Maybe I didn't me. get it. But so this book follows Argyle, who's essentially orphaned, I think early 20s I, I couldn't really get a gauge on his age i think early nah, 20s, he early was, mid i think he was earlier than that i think he was a late teen i think he was still in school wasn't he at okay. that i don't know I don't, school in london he was at or something i don't know i'm not sure it's unclear unclear but he's living in thailand after his parents died from drug lords and he gets plucked out of the jungles after a cia mission gone bad by the cia <laughs> to join their team and it follows essentially like a few different heists, I would say, um, where they're trying to thwart this Russian classic. You know, this book is going to involve Russians and Nazis, which I'm kind of always in for. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's pretty much what we're doing here. Nick, what did you think of the book? Yeah, I mean, unlike you and me in these tactile necks, and for the the word tactile neck, you know, if you know, you know. But yeah. Unlike us, the book was just mediocre for me. Uh, mm -hmm. It kind of it kind of fell flat. If, if it was a if it had been a first time author, I probably wouldn't be saying a lot of these. But I had these like backup thoughts just in case you told me that this was somebody who's written a lot of books before. <laughs> um, it's nothing to write home about. It's not the worst book I've ever read. There's no. some pretty exciting action scenes, but there's next to no character development. The plot is so ridiculous i just just listen to this ready why the hell would the cia pluck a random drug dealer's son out of the woods in thailand to become their next super secret special agent you're to telling me on there's the not most important team in the cia yeah like the a team <laughs> they're like we're flushing out a mole this could bring down the cia we need this special person to come in and join this team and stop the Russians from finding the Amber Room and destabilizing the whole world. Drug dealer's son. Yeah. Because he's, he helped save somebody <laughs> one time. Yeah. Drug smuggler's like, son. This, this, this is a higher class right. than dealing. 
you're right. It's uh, <laughs> it's Tom Cruise in that movie where he keeps flying that small plane. I forget <laughs> what that was called. But <laughs> yeah, I, it's so ridiculous. And then like he refuses to use guns and like it's like every cliche in the book. He does. He's Batman. You're right. Uh, but he and then you have the classic like meathead tough guy. Oh, it's a Navy SEAL. Blah 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 blah. Yeah. I don't like you because you're not one of me, which is like just not how that works in general. But and then (laughs) he saves the Navy SEAL in this like ridiculous, like whitewater rafting accident. And then all of a sudden he's got his respect. And then there's there's this twist at the end where there's a bunch of like thinly veiled attempts to mask who the mole is. But like it's so obvious obvious. because it's the only (laughs) other character that gets any character development at all. Yeah. You have. Argyle and Quinn and spoiler yeah. alert, Quinn is the, the mole. Like, yeah. Yeah. I was like, shocker. Like, yeah, they're building up to it. Oh no. I never yeah. saw that coming. Like, what? Yeah. <laughs> I kind of thought the one twist I was predicting was that, cause you started this off by saying Francis coffee, the CIA director, the spy master. Yeah. Plucks him out to be on this team. Um, and I was thinking the only thing that makes sense is if this is somehow like Argyle's mom is apparently the spy master, but I didn't know when his parents died in his life. So I was thinking this is the only thing that makes sense. She knows him already. She's bringing him in. That's what I thought was happening. And they have this weird relationship. I'm like, there's no reason why she trusts him so much. (laughs) Um, But then that didn't end up happening. Um, yeah, the spy master who talks the whole book about how she can trust nobody and it's so lonely and this and that, and then immediately trust Argyle with top secret information. Yeah. That could, that could ruin the country. (laughs) Yeah. Oh man. And like, you know, (laughs) I, I went into the movie and I had been, I didn't finish the book before the movie actually, which I'm glad it ended up not mattering at all. Um, but I walked into the movie and I was thinking, you know what? This book is fine. It's kind of your typical beach read. Like, it's here nor there. Yeah. yeah, um, yeah. And I was like, at least I can watch this movie. This is right up my alley. Cheesy spy. I'm just going to have some fun. Walked out of that movie and I'm thinking, you know what? Book's not half bad. <laughs> 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 and I mean, I'll start with like the positives in that this is like it's a pretty easy to follow plot and it's like fun to just go from like these locations to locations in the book um and i did actually find that the last 80 pages or so it 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 actually kind of started to come together for me like i was really low on the beginning where i'm like they're talking about characters and uh, they were like, at one point they mentioned Ryder and Mia and I genuinely was not sure if they were on the good, good guys or the bad guys. Yeah. Two, am I supposed to care that they just died? Like literally had no idea. And they're talking about them. Like I know them and they're like Mia's fighting style. Oh, that's gotta be her. I'm like, who the fuck is Mia? Like, what are we talking about? But towards the end, specifically the last like two missions that they go through, um, it started to come together where I was like, okay, I'm now remembering who is on this team and what's going on and where this plot yeah. is driving. But the beginning, it like, 
it reads like you're getting the synopsis of these missions afterward. Like they're just they're just happening. And it's like, okay, we're in Greece and we're stealing this treasure from these monks. And here's what happened. And it's told over like 20 pages. That's it. And then it's done. And then we move on and they're in the hotel and they're debriefing and then they go on to the next one. It was just, it was just so odd. I agree though, because, and and maybe it was a little bit earlier for me. I I think starting when they Mm -hmm. got, there's a scene for those who haven't read it. There's a scene probably halfway to two thirds in the book where they are going to a French villa that used to be a Nazi like safe house to steal a map that will ultimately lead them Mm -hmm. to the last 80 pages that Randy's talking about. And I think that's where it started coming together for me because that was hundred percent. That was the scene where I was like, I thought it was really well written. It was really exciting. It was a bit extended. And for a little bit there, it was one of the only points in the book where I was unclear of who's making it out. Obviously, you know, Argyle makes it out and you knew Quinn was making it out because at this point you'd already figured out she was the mole, even though the authors hadn't told you. But I didn't know, like, they'd killed some other characters. So I was like, is Wyatt going to make it out? Or is he going to mm-hmm. stay behind and be a hero? Yeah. Uh, that scene on, I thought the book got better. But it was also just a series of action sequences for the most yeah. part. So I don't know if it actually got better or it was just like, to your point, you know the characters. And now you have at least somewhat of a vested interest in more than just Argyle and Quinn. And you want to see who's going to make it to the end. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I I think genuinely the, the it didn't just like feel better. I think genuinely the book was better in that final third. Okay, because I agree. I mean, once they got to that French, um, it was kind of like in the suburbs of Paris, away home, kind of like Versailles or something. Uh, basically, from there, you realize that the person who Argyle replaced on the team is actually alive, and they took him out to flush out. I thought like all that stuff. I'm like, this is fine. Like I'm enjoying this. Like, yeah, I'm finally knowing who this team is and it like gets onto this pace and we basically get into, you know, my wheelhouse of like, we're hunting for treasure and we're trying to thwart the Russians in a Nazi, you know, cave. And yeah. I'm like, this is me right here. Like, I love this stuff. So it just Indiana got to a joins. <laughs> Indiana exactly. Jones joins the CIA. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, perfect. Like this is, this is, I can do this. Um, it could have also been that like the beginning of the book, I was like reading about him in Thailand. I'm like, okay, this is, you know, this is fine, whatever. And then it like, I hit this valley of like real low in the book with these first few missions. And I think I also have these like defenses go up as I was learning more and more about this as a tie in marketing where I get, I get extremely cynical and it's hard for me to just like, yeah, enjoy and sit there. Um, Anytime I feel like I'm being almost manipulated, uh, I just, I don't know. I get these defenses that go up and it's hard for me to like things. I had a similar experience to Ready Player One where I was like, I feel like I'm being emotionally manipulated by nostalgia where like, I like these things and I feel like you're just using them to like, get me to like <laughs> this story, really? not, not to the same level, but I'm like, okay. yes, I like the breakfast club. Yes. I like start, like stop baiting me with things I love uh, and just like tell a good story. Uh, so I get like cynical. Um, but I think by the end I like mellowed out and I was like, you know, we, at that point we had gotten over, you know, the, who Argyle is, he had gone through the, the breaking and forming of this new team. 
you know, he saved Wyatt, like you talked about in the Rapids. It was basically like the Harry, Ron, and Hermione become friends after defeating the troll, uh, yeah. but worse. Um, great, and, great analogy. <laughs> uh, and then, yeah, it just it just slides into a little bit better, but the the dialogue is just it's it's brutal. It's it's like the author had never spoken to human beings before or was imagining how cool people talk to each other. Like, I bet this is how cool people on a CIA team talk to each other and having no basis for what those conversations are actually like. Like, if actual human beings speak to each other this way, you know, I'd be shocked. They don't. They they <laughs> they can't. Yeah. Because you, it's ready. The dialogue was so bad. Like, if you just read the dialogue out loud. You sound like an idiot. You you start twisting your head a little bit like, what? Yeah. What am I what am I saying? And yeah. I feel like like if you're and I don't want to tell people how to write because I yeah. can't write for shit, but I feel like you should read your dialogue out loud with somebody. <laughs> what it could be your publisher and just be like just hear yeah. how it sounds. Yeah. Because I feel like with a I don't know, a few small tweaks, the dialogue could have been significantly better and added a lot of depth to characters. They it what they were and this is definitely more for movies than books, I think, because of the medium, but the Argyle book was a lot of tell. Like they weren't Absolutely. showing me anything. They weren't there wasn't innuendo, there wasn't things I could piece together. They were just giving me exposition and it's yeah. just like facts. And they were just spitting facts at me the whole time yeah. with the dialogue. And yeah. That I think is why I think dialogue so bad. Yeah, that's a great point. It, and it like it uses these cliches that like I normally will really like when you're. It's like you know it's a joke, um, but it feels mm -hmm. like the book isn't on isn't sure. And this is something very similar to the movie. It's not sure if it wants to be a joke or not, wants to be a parody or not. And it'll have things like you know classic lines I love in a stupid action movie where like, you know, Argyle shows up to his first training. I'm holding a stress ball cause I'm getting so worked up while I'm doing this, by the way. <laughs> um, and the, the CIA, like the team trainer will be like, Oh yeah, we got fresh meat here. And it's like, <laughs> Oh my God. Or, uh, the, the other one, which I really love, this is a hallmark line for me is when they're in some sort of combat scenario. And the leader orders someone to do something and the person wants to go do whatever they want to do anyway. And he goes, that's an order. Love that stuff. But it's just like, it's almost written seriously. Like this is not trying to be funny. <laughs> and it just makes it so bad. <laughs> yeah. Before we move on, I just, there were a few specific things I pulled out book wise where I wrote down the page numbers that I just... I just, I just want to share. Yeah. Um, just so everybody knows, this is just going to be Randy shitting on the book for the next 45 minutes. We'll yeah. put timestamps in there. So if you need to jump ahead, go ahead. Yeah. <laughs> there, <laughs> there's also just like characters while I'm finding this who just didn't know basic things where Argyle was like talking to Wyatt and he's like, uh, what is that stuff you use in a gym so the bar doesn't slip? And it's like, even if you've never been in a gym in your life, you know, that's chalk. 
And it's like, you like, what are we talking about? If you've watched any TV in your life, you've come across a show where somebody's using chalk and calling it chalk. Yeah. Or, or even if you called it like, Hey, grab the the hand powder. You don't be like a complete idiot here. Yeah. Um, you can't convince me this person was special enough. Yeah. To be put on the CIA's A team with minimal to no training because he did the he saved somebody one time and then tell me that he can't figure out basic things like that. <laughs> it makes no sense. You're so right with the show and tell. Well, here's here's the only line I'll read. And there's many, many worse. This is right after the Rapids where Wyatt <laughs> is having a blast in the Rapids during this team building exercise. And Wyatt is supposed to be the John Cena character in the movie or also Sam Rockwell. I don't even f-ing know at this point. And he's dying. He gets trapped and he's drowning. Argyle saves him. And then they're deciding, should we kick Wyatt off the team? Because he almost got us all killed and himself killed. And Washington, this is literally what they say. Hooper glares at Argyle's raised hands. He almost got you killed. You do know that just because he's the muscle of the team. Washington cuts in. He's not just the muscle though, sir. He's also the heart of us. Literally, this is a conversation happening in the Pentagon. (laughs) Never happening. (laughs) No. Like, it's so bad. Oh my God. Just, just rough stuff. Um, Nick, as you read this book and you were thinking of turning this into a movie, what, what Mm -hmm. did you, how do you successfully do this? Like, what, what do you need to get right for this to work? Yeah. So reading a book that, you know, is going to be a movie and we've, we had seen the trailers. So we knew a little bit about the plot of the movie already. And we knew the director attached to it. So you can kind of guess the direction it's going. You have to look at it through that lens. Right. You can't just like read this book as a standalone and be like, what does it need to be a movie? So from that lens, even though the movie is designed to be a bit more meta than the books, you needed some familiar characters. You needed to incorporate them somehow. It couldn't just be a completely new cast of characters. The other thing I think, you know, knowing that it's Matthew Vaughn is it's going to be campy and there's going to be cheese, but but there's a, we've talked about it before. There's a really fine line between bad and great mm-hmm. with camp and cheese. And you need to nail that line. And then I think because of the lack of depth to Argyle, you needed to really have some character development for the world, like for world building per, like purposes in this movie. And if you don't do those three things, I don't think you can be successful or could be successful, I should say. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you bring a good point. There's just like, there's a long history of action movies that flirt that line between comedy and action, self-aware parodies. Mm -hmm. And these are things that I know you and I both love. You know, I think of 80s action movies, us, you know, growing up with Arnold, which are like, at a certain point, somebody realized that Arnold could be like funny saying lines and it became a little bit more self-aware or I think of Eddie Murphy in the original like Beverly Hills cop movies. We get into the nineties and we have bad boys and we have rush hour and we have snatch. And then even Matthew Vaughn brings us the Kingsman movies where it's like, 
Those stylish, are stylish but self-aware, but campy. They're leaning into these tropes. They're true genre movies. And the and Kingsman was so well done, I think. So good. In terms of like exactly like that type of adaptation, yeah. the Kingsman is probably in my top five ever. Yeah. The first one of like that style of campy action movie that's a an adaptation of something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's just we like, should cover that. I love the Kingsman. Yeah. Church scene, one of the one of the best action scenes of the past 20 years. Uh, yes. Freebird kicks in and Colin Firth with no stunt double, just going wild. Talk about a needle drop. That was yeah. elite. Yeah, such a, such a great scene. But so like he's proved he can do this. And I think what just didn't translate or what you need to translate with this where it works is like you just pick like what lane you want to be in of that kind of the vibe you want this movie to be Mm -hmm. because serious spy thrillers love that parodying site or spy thrillers like a austin powers love that kind of one that blends the action and the comedy like a rush hour bad boys love those movies but it's like it it just couldn't decide and it's almost like i was really excited to see i'm like okay henry cobble john cena both really fun actors like Lipa. I was excited to see this and I was like, worst case, I'm just going to get to watch an action spy movie with some like really fun people. Yeah. But it just like, it just couldn't decide what it wanted to be. And I felt like it tried to be so many things and then it ended up being nothing. Um, so I feel like, I don't know, man, it's just, man, it sucked. <laughs> <laughs> um, Okay, so yeah. overall, yeah, yeah, yeah. Randy didn't rate yeah. this movie highly, but like, yeah. give me your overall. Like, we just talked about what has to work. Give me your overall for the movie. Or wait, actually, hang on. Before yeah, before we get to that, let's. Can you give me? And this is a big task. Can you try and recap the plot of this movie for people who have not seen it? And if you haven't seen it, I, I don't know if I can even recommend you go in and watch it as a joke. But just give me give me the plot here. What happens? So, all right, I wrote a, a, like a quick little back of book synopsis for the movie, like back of, you know, cover. Yeah. Uh, so basically, Ellie Conway is a writer of action books that are surprisingly close to real life. Ellie and her cat, who is in a backpack, which you hated. I thought that was awesome because a cat in a backpack is so funny yeah. to me. Yeah. I like um, a cat. Don't get me wrong. I was very worried for the cat's life in this movie. Sorry. Ellie, <laughs> Ellie and her cat get drug into a battle between two rival spy agencies and against her will and hilarity ensues the, <laughs> the movie follows ellie as she navigates this dangerous situation figures out who she is and maybe even refines love that would be my back of like yeah. movie case synopsis yeah, you're right in the uh you're trying to get the hook in people to see this yeah did i do yeah. it would you would you watch that i will say there is the framework of this movie. If you told me the plot out loud to this, I'm actually quite interested. There's an author who has amnesia, essentially, and is writing spy stories, but they're actually about her own forgotten memories of her being a spy. And both rival agencies are trying to get her to write more stories so they can find out what, why this mission went wrong. Out loud, great premise. <laughs> I liked it a lot, actually, as a premise. Like, like I was like, 
this when I say this out loud, it sounds quite good. Um, but so, and like we said at the top, this is not at all the book. This is four books from now in this series. Um, where I thought was a good choice, by the way. Oof, did not. Um, but so at a high level, Nick, what did you think of this movie? Yeah, I mean, overall, I thought it was fine. I I liked it made me laugh at times. Uh <laughs> would I rewatch it? No. Not anytime soon. Definitely not anytime soon. But I had fun with it in the theater. I mean, I went into it with no expectations, right? I knew this was like I said, I kind of knew where this was going anyway, so I didn't expect this to be some game-changing movie. I wanted some fun action scenes. I wanted to laugh and I needed a cat in a backpack, apparently, because that really did it for me. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I mean, like, don't get me wrong. This like definitely all didn't hit. There was a point in the middle where there was like twist after twist after twist. And I get that they were doing twists to like, it's like a, not a joke, but like, like that was the bit. The bit yeah. just lasted too long for me. There was like one or two too many twists. Um yeah, I, that didn't work. There was a couple of points where I felt the pacing got a little slow. I think this movie probably could have been about 15, 20 minutes shorter, and that would have made it a lot better, to be honest. Yeah, um, maybe an hour. I mean, yeah, twice during the movie, because I was taking notes, I dropped my phone. So there's like <laughs> now there's like me and five people in this movie theater, and I just dropped my phone, and it goes smack. And I was like, oh, now I got to put that up to my face. I need to go wash this. That that was really a bummer for me yeah. for this movie. Uh, I will. I went to an AMC, and the popcorn at AMC is not as good as the popcorn at Regal, and neither is the mm. butter flavoring. Interesting, and Randy. I, I know you're thinking, Nick, don't take such a strong, opinionated stance on the podcast. You're going to get us canceled. But I'm sorry, I have to speak my truth. The popcorn at Regal is better, and that I'll say that will affect how you enjoy a movie. Is the snacks. Yeah. And I know for a fact I have to if I'm getting popcorn, I need to go back to Regal. So and this is indicative of this movie that I would much rather talk about popcorn for two hours than have <laughs> to discuss any more of this plot. Yeah. Uh one thing I did like at the in the post credit scene is the bar, they called it the the King's Man. The King's, King's Man yeah. for Matthew Vaughn. I thought that was kind of funny to me. Same, like that. Same bartender too, I'm pretty sure. He's in oh, the really? Kingsman movies, yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. that even makes it better. Yeah. I, I thought that was like a cool meta nod to Matthew Vaughn. Yeah. I mean, the scene itself was fine. It was okay. It was a pretty classic scene from the, I'm going to call it a classic scene, an important scene from the book. <laughs> but yeah, uh, I, I like the, I like those little, that's an Easter egg. We have Easter eggs today. Yeah. Yeah. That is, there was, there was Ooh. a couple of Kingsman Easter eggs and even in the book. Yeah. I thought yeah. that was cool. But what I mean, I know that you <laughs> I know that my review is probably like overly positive to you. So yeah. I am excited to hear what you're about to say. It's just So, like I said, I came into this thinking I can just have fun with this. The movie starts and I did not know what sort of path this movie was taking. Um, that it was this future books and not at all about Argyle. So the movie starts and I'm watching this scene with actual Henry Cobble as Argyle 
John Cena as this Wyatt and Dua Lipa. And I'm sitting there and I'm watching this and I'm like, wow, this is, this is really bad. Uh, like it looks awful. Um, Henry Cavill, like you can tell, is grinding his car down a, I don't even know, like a median in Greece. Yeah. And I was like, it clearly looks like he's just sitting in a car in front of a green screen shaking. And I'm like, this looks so bad. And then it transitions to Ellie Conway writing. And I honestly, I had this huge sigh of relief. I was like, oh, <laughs> they're they're just writing this is supposed to be a writer who's really bad at writing spy novels. This is like how she imagines they're written. And I was like, this is going to be amazing. Like, it's just going to be stupid, cheesy action where she's like trying to write this, but she's like not good at it. And it's going to be like making fun of the genre in itself. And then it did the same thing for another two hours and 20 minutes after this. <laughs> and it was not at all making fun of it. It, I just like, I couldn't, I couldn't believe it. And by the way, that was the end pretty much of Henry Cavill and John Cena. They were done in the movie. Literally, John Cena sips a cappuccino and then is pretty much gone until the end. He comes back at the end. Yeah. And, and and Henry Cavill is sprinkled in throughout. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, it goes over the scene and you transitions to Ellie Conway, who's Bryce Dallas Howard, writing, you know, the book. She's at a book premiere in a Barnes & Noble and you start to realize, oh, this is actually, she's the main character. And there were, I just had so many peaks and valleys. And by peaks, I mean, maybe like a bunny slope and valleys. I mean, like the depths of Mariana's trench in this movie <laughs> where I'm like, let me, you know what? I'm done. Like, let me just have fun with this. Like, I'm going to shut my brain off. I don't care. And I tried so hard to do that. And I would start having, you know, fun and it would just hit another point where another reveal or twist happens. And I'm just like, you got to be f***ing kidding me. Like, what is going on here? And like, it's just, it was like, it was, I referenced this earlier. It was like an Austin Powers movie with all the jokes taken out where it is like, yeah, so twist for the sense of twist that they become meaningless i went to the bathroom at one point and it was when ellie is heading over to her mom's house and i come back from the bathroom and i missed everything going on and i sat down i literally turned to my fiance and i said let me guess ellie's mom is bad and her dad is brian cranston because they're the only two older people in this movie and She's like, yup. <laughs> like, like, like it was so easy to telegraph or all of the twists were telegraphed in like such an awful yeah. way. Um, and it turns out, you know, that through all of this, you know, we've already said this, Ellie Conway is the real Argyle. Her name is R. Kyle. And which like, come on, come the f on. Um, and Wyatt is her partner slash lover, Sam Rockwell, best part of this movie, Aiden Wilde, who she's, I can't, I don't even know who is on the division anymore. I don't even know who's double, triple crossing who. And they're kind of working together for this master file that they're trying to get to Samuel L. Jackson's character. And it just, this is such, an incoherent mess that it it is just like 
offensive. And I just couldn't believe what I was seeing with my own eyes, with what was going on. Especially, there was like a period in the beginning where I was like, this is bad, but this is going to be fun bad. And then it just did that and got worse. And it didn't stop until I was begging to just let me leave the movie theater. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. Um, Positives? I I actually did like Sam Rockwell. We'll we'll, we'll talk about him in casting. Um, Were there any other big beats of the movie you kind of liked you want to talk about? I thought the action scenes were fun. I think that, like... I think Vaughn does those really well. So I thought the fighting on the train scene was fun. Fighting on the train scene was good. The combat was very good there. Yeah. And it, it's like ch- kind of cheeky too. And the camera angle, the way Vaughn moves those camera angles around, like as yeah. the fighting's going on, it's really, really cool. Um, actually, I think I'm just going to list off fight scenes. I thought the one with all the different colored smoke when they were coming out of the vault and there's a scene where they're like trapped in a like a gun vault, but they're deep within the enemy base and they have to get out. And it just becomes this thing where, you know, this is finally when our our Kyle <laughs> remembers Can't who she say. is. I'm calling her Ellie. <laughs> <laughs> when Ellie remembers who she is. So it's her and Sam Rockwell's character, Aiden, and they have to fight their way out. And there's like all these different color smokes and they're like dancing together because they had been lovers and she finally remembers that. And I thought it was so dumb, but that made it so funny to me. Like yeah. just them dancing and kicking the smoke. I thought that was hysteric. Like I was actually laughing at that scene. I think that scene nailed what it was trying to do. Mm-hmm. And the other one that I thought was was a lot of fun was when she remembers she's like an ice skater. Cause like that was the whole thing. It's like she lost. Save, her memory let's save this skating. for best scenes. We're gonna get into yeah. that one. All right, all right. I won't talk about it. <laughs> but I thought that scene was really funny too. Like it, it was ridiculous. It's way over the top. But that's what makes it good. Also, Sam Rockwell with that beard and hair. Sam Rockwell was, really was great. Funny. He was great. Was I loved him with that beard and hair? It was so ridiculous looking, and he's just he was funny in yeah. in that train scene i don't know how to say it like i i really enjoyed that so yeah um yeah i also yeah. thought like to your point about the beginning i think knowing because i i did a lot of re- not research i googled like what the plot was and, like, we had the insider we were, knowledge yeah i had the insider knowledge <laughs> on the plot here and i really did and so i knew in the beginning that that was like her writing, like not yeah, what was I actually happening. So when I saw that, I thought that was hysteric. Like for it to be so bad intentionally yeah. like that and knowing that that's what they were doing, I thought that was really funny. I agree, but they just kept doing it. Like that was yeah, the they, way all yeah. the other scenes were written. <laughs> no, <laughs> I agree. I fair. was like, it, oh. the, scenes, the scenes where it's like Argyle and Wyatt and Kira and Dua Lipa and like all of those, if they just sprinkled those as being really bad and like cheesy and then the rest yeah. of the movie was good, it would have been, I think it would have been such a hit if it had done that because yeah. then it's like so tongue in cheek while also mm-hmm. being a good movie. Yeah. Yeah. We've been, we've been flirting, flirting with the cast here for a bit. So what, what would you give just getting into the keys of the adaptation? What would you oh. give the casting and performance? Oh, hey, oh we got 
We got rapid fire questions. Sorry. We got yes. rapid fire and background, Randy. You are just jumping. Oh, like uh, well, we can kick the background, right? I, I'm not doing background on this. I'm not wasting anyone's time. I already talked about it at the <laughs> <You're> top. Not... <laughs> I'm not doing any background. I already talked about who this book was written by, is directed by Matthew Vaughn. The only thing I will say, which is an interesting fact, Argyle was named after the limo driver in Die Hard, which is awesome because Argyle, oh, the limo driver in, in, in Die Hard movies is so funny. <laughs> I had um, no idea. And that is a fun It's a fun, fun fact. fact. Um, I mean, reception wise, um, not I good. mean, the movie's not do- not doing well. C plus cinema score, which is like basically getting held back in third grade. Uh, it's got thir- thirty nine million. Oh, is it that high it, now? It's worldwide. It's twenty two domestic. Uh, okay, so it's a little. I googled this right before. So we're recording this on Sunday. I'm sorry, Saturday, February tenth. And as of this morning, an article came out that they were at twenty nine Two million yeah. domestically, which Could is not be, good. Yeah, not good at all. Two hundred million good. dollar budget. It's it's the second weekend. I mean, they they're projecting like six million this weekend. Yeah, it, I mean it's a Super Bowl weekend, but still doesn't matter. Not good. Not doing not well. Great. Not but, for a movie directed at men. And tradi- traditionally, like action films have done well on Super Bowl weekend. Yeah, relative to other types of films. Yeah, but I mean, I think that th- they were trying to market this to everyone. I mean, it is, I don't even know what the rating is, but there's next to zero blood in the movie. There's, it almost got the vibes of, I said I said this to, to Alyssa as well. I was like, it reminds me a lot of the Lost City movie, the Sandra Bullock, Channing Tatum, very yeah. similar concept. And I think that movie was executed very well. It was an hour and 40 minutes. It was like, there was one or two big twists excellent chemistry from everyone you knew who all the characters were that was like a well-done version of this um yeah but that that kind of reminded me of that so this this could be successful but just just hasn't been and i don't think it's going to be um book wise i think goodreads what is it sitting at right now like a three four i think yeah i think it's been pretty mixed it's if you want an easy read it's just very if if you want an easy read you'll fly through it it's a good beach read because you have to like if you're looking for something with no real depth, no thought, but like just fun. Yeah, you'll read it on the beach. Like do that. Yeah, that's who should read this book, if anybody. Yeah, but other than that, I'm not. I'm not doing any background on this. Let's do the rapid fire. Okay, let's get into it. Pew pew. Pew pew. All right. Question one, and remember. You're supposed to answer these <laughs> with one word as quick as you can. All right. No explanation. But with the exception of actually two of these questions. So this first one, I want just one word, no explanation. The next two, you can answer however you want because I did not write them as yes, <laughs> no answers. All right. Who fit their book character better, Henry Cavill or John Cena? John Cena. That's correct. Is Dua Lipa perfect? And why is your answer yes? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Wait, but you said that wasn't a yes or no. <laughs> well, I said, why is your answer yes? Oh, you can uh, elaborate or you can just leave it as a yes. I'll, I'm I'll just, let that. Yeah. I'll let that I, slide. I actually, uh, I get, I get made fun of a bit in my house for even enjoying Dua Lipa's music as much as I do. It, it, she, she's, she's just got some hits. 
She's got they are bangers, dude. <laughs> yeah. All right. And your third question, do I look as Argyle in a turtleneck? And why is your answer? Absolutely. You look so dashing, Nick. You look better dressed and costumed than Henry Cavill in Argyle. Whoever put him in that. Cheers to that. Whatever he was wearing. Just fire them right now. That green suede turtleneck and jacket. It's like a Komodo. Like it's, <laughs> it's like, what is he wearing? Yeah. Oh, my God. All right. Yeah. All right. Casting and performances. By the way, the Oscars totally stole our best casting award from us when they just announced I know. 2026. <laughs> I know. Do we get just, like a royalty for that? Yeah. Or how do we how do we get this insider knowledge? Now, yeah. If they're gonna we at least need to actually be insiders if they're gonna steal our category. Literally stole stole it right from us. The uh, exact thing we've been we've been doing it for like three whole months now. I'm pretty yeah. sure legally speaking, we own it. Yeah. 90 days we've had this. That's that's the Copyright. that's the hard, fast rule. Yeah. Yeah. What do you give this casting wise? Brandy. I'm, you're gonna shit a brick when I give it this score. Oh my god! I gave it a three and a half. <laughs> <laughs> that is fucking insane. You were drunk in this movie, and just no, tell me I wasn't. I <laughs> and and I'll defend my position. All right. <sighs> I'm getting my stress on, ball again. On the casting of it, I gave it. A two and a half out of three for like who was cast in what role. And for the performances, I gave it a one, right? I didn't think the performances were all that great from uh, Henry Cavill fell flat, but I do think he was a good cast for Argyle. And I do think John Cena as Wyatt is exactly what I expected. Sam Rockwell as like the spy was genius. Brian Cranston got to be, you know, like the evil character that he's played but also the malcolm in the middle dad figure that he's played and i fucking love that Catherine o'hara is hysterical to me there were lines that she said that aren't funny that i thought were funny because they were her yeah. like she just cracks me up so i thought that was great uh in terms of like ellie conway it was fine cast yeah i i don't know i thought it's fine like yeah. i don't was the execution great? No. Give it a one. But I do think the people who were cast were cast well for their roles. And that that's how I'm defending that score. Yeah. I can see that. Like, I could see giving it like a two or three in casting, but then you have a negative 73,000 on the follow through, which is just... Yeah. No. Oh, I, my I, God. Yeah. I'm not trying to defend yeah, the follow through. Yeah. I'm just saying for the people that were cast in those roles, I thought yeah. they were all good choices. Yeah. I, I think I think my biggest gripe with this, and I'm giving this a 1.5, which is, okay. spoiler alert, going to be my highest rating I give any of these categories, <laughs> um, is I think my biggest problem is it really felt like with so many characters that they had them for one day on set, and that was it. Yeah. Sam Jackson showed up, drank wine, and watched the Lakers. And didn't interact awesome. with any other humans, but but Ellie awesome. and uh, I was like, that's all he did. He literally, I guarantee, he did not spend more than eight hours on the set of Argyle. I felt that way about so many characters in this, where they were just like 
so one dimensional. And th- that's not necessarily the performances. There's a lot to the writing that, you know, I, I yeah. will fault here. Uh, but it just felt so shallow uh, on the way they were all carried out. But I will say, I think Sam Rockwell carried the movie and he's the old, he's the main reason that this is bumping up to a 1.5. I thought the you mentioned the train scene where you're first realizing that he is has this pre-existing relationship with Ellie Conway and maybe they were partners and he's originally who you're thinking is Argyle, which doesn't even make sense because he's supposed to be Wyatt, but she's seeing him cut back and forth between him and Argyle. I have no idea what's going on. Which I thought for a long time he was going to like be the Argyle. So did I. And that is exactly what I pictured Argyle looking like when they pulled him out of the woods. (laughs) In Thailand. Yeah. Or the jungle Long hair, in Thailand. Beard, yeah. Yeah. And I was like, oh my God, this is this is so funny because this is exactly what I thought Argyle would look like. So for her to picture Henry Cavill, but then this be like a real life Argyle. Yeah. I was like, that's pretty cool. And then yeah. it wasn't that. It wasn't that at all. No. But that would have been really cool. Wouldn't that have been really cool? I I mean, I thought he was going to be Argyle when they were flipping back and forth, even though like walking into this movie, they're creating this whole mystery, like who is possibly Argyle? literally the first after the first scene and i see ellie conway writing i'm like oh she's argyle like yeah duh but he uh he was great i mean sam rockwell was awesome uh he also was one of i think what works for him in this movie in terms of performances of like trying to take this a little bit seriously is like he really commits to it and feels so earnest in his performance and when people do that no matter how camp and cheese it is it just delivers on a whole nother level. And the classic example yeah. of this is like um, Michael Caine in the Muppet movie, <laughs> the Muppet Christmas Carol, Carol, where like, it is so ridiculous. He's literally interacting with puppets, but he plays that movie like it is a, an Oscar drama <laughs> and doesn't flinch yeah. once doing it. And like, that's so admirable to have like that type of commitment. And I feel like Sam Rockwell brought that to this movie. We're like, yeah, he really gave it his all. You also need a certain caliber to be able to to do that. Like Michael Caine yeah. is of that caliber. Sam Rockwell is definitely at that caliber. I mean, I was literally during the break, I was looking up all the Sam Rockwell movies because I want to go on this Sam Rockwell quick kick because of that. I'm yeah. going to read a couple. So the the ones that I remembered, he needs a better agent. <laughs> yeah. Like <laughs> like Jojo Rabbit, I remember him being in that and he yeah. is fantastic. Uh, I remember him from obviously Argyle. He was in um, what is it? Three three billboards outside of Ebbing, Missouri. I think it is. Never yeah, three billboards it. outside of Ebbing, Missouri. You haven't heard of that? Oh, Randy, Randy, you have to watch that movie. It is so good. Hmm. Rockwell is so good. That whole cast is so good. Uh, Woody Harrelson's in it. Um. Uh, Francis McDormand and Peter uh, Dinklage are in it. Yeah, uh, they Love they're Francis both McDormand. She she's great. She is that might be my favorite role of hers. I thought yeah. honestly, I don't understand how that movie isn't just talked about always by everybody. I thought it was yeah. so good. Never and then uh, the the best of enemies. Did you ever see mm. that one? Nope. Oh, Randy, that's a that's a power piece. You got to see the best of. You, I mean, you gotta. <sighs> All right. I'll, anyway, uh, 
Yeah, I'll Sorry. follow up on those because I do like Sam Rockwell. But yeah, I mean, yeah, well, they're, they're great. He, mo- he's in those yeah. and he is great, but they're yeah. also just standalone great movies. Yeah, yeah, he did great. Bryce was fine. Bryce Dallas Howard, she, she was fine. I mean, with the literal stinking pile of poo she was given to carry yeah. out in this movie. Um, but what did you have? Do you have a uh, some best casting nominees for me? Of course I have best casting yeah. nominees for you. Yeah. I'm drum drum roll to, please. Eager to hear this. <laughs> <laughs> and the nominees for best casting are Sam Rockwell as Aiden, Catherine O'Hara as Ellie's mother slash evil doctor, John Cena as Wyatt, and Brian Cranston as your classic bad guy who also gets to play the sweet and this and that for a second. Yeah, I mean <sighs> It's this is bad radio, but it's just got to be Sam Rockwell. I mean, the others were good. They create a compelling movie, even though I'm always skeptical of a January movie that has a star-studded cast because they usually suck, uh, which it did. Um, but Sam Rockwell, yeah, he just he just followed through on it, and the parts he's in just feel a little bit better uh, than other parts of the movie. And he's just, he was just fun. He just committed to it. He gave a great performance. Um, And I think he was involved, I think, in the best action sequence of an action movie, which for me was the train scene. I thought that that, the fighting he did in that looked really good at the beginning of the movie when you're first learning that, or you're thinking that this is Argyle and it's cutting back and forth with him and Henry Henry Cavill fighting. But that's who I'd give it to. Would you agree, Sam Rockwell? Yeah, I have nothing to add, but yeah. I mean, speaking of the train scene, let's jump into plot execution slash faithfulness to the source material, because that is a natural segue to what we said, where we said we were going to talk about it. Hit me with it. What do you got? What'd you like? What didn't you like? Maybe yeah. really emphasize what you like so that we have something to talk about in that category. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, I'm going to, I'm going to try and streamline this, you know, poor Nick okay. received Probably just popped into my note stock, had some coffee one day, and realized that I wrote 10 scathing pages on this movie in Google Docs. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I'm going to try and condense that. I gave I gave the plot execution and faithfulness to the source material 0.5, which is honestly generous. Because um, if we're talking source material, I just like don't even know what the hell is going on anymore. Um, but... Like we said, there is a compelling story or plot within this if you describe this movie on paper, but it is just executed so poorly. It is almost shocking. Um, I already described how I felt for the opening minutes, and this is a two-hour and 40-minute movie. I think if you chop an hour off of this and you streamline it a little bit more, and I'm a person who loves long movies, the more the better. It could have just been so much better. The The issue is, is the twist of, uh, I just don't even want to call her R. Kyle because it sounds so stupid coming out of my mouth. Ellie Conway being Argyle comes like an hour and 15 minutes into the movie. And by that point, I'm seething with so much rage in the theater that like I can't even write off how that makes some of the things that happened earlier in the movie make sense. And then somehow it just gets worse and more ridiculous from there when the twists start coming like haymakers to my face. 
But haymakers, for maybe the slowest puncher ever, because I can predict any of them, it's like I'm in a fight with a 90-year-old man. This is, yeah. it was just, oh my God, it was bad. Um, we would spend another three hours if we tried talking through the actual plot beat by beat and all the twists that happened because I got to the end and I literally didn't even know what was happening anymore. Um, okay, so that's what you liked. What didn't you like? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was what I um, give me a minute. Let's, you you hit me with what you you liked or didn't like. Yeah, I I gave it a one point five out of five, and for plot execution and faithfulness to the source material. Um, uh, faithfulness to the source material, I gave it like a, a zero out of two point five. It, I <laughs> I see what they were, I see what they were going for, and I actually like the premise of making it this like meta world, and yeah. but like. Now they just changed all the characters. There were, you know, not none of it was really familiar to the book, quite frankly. Other than there being argyle everywhere in the movie, mm-hmm. like you know, like like argyle socks and stuff like that, and like on glasses and then posters in the background. Um, and I gave it a one point five for the you know execution of the plot because, as I said earlier, there are things I enjoyed. It made me laugh. I like some of the action scenes. Uh, I didn't bother me. Most of those twists didn't bother me the way they bothered you because I had no expectations of this being like anything genre defining. Mm-hmm. So I think I was able to enjoy it a little bit more, which is why my score is a little bit higher. But I mean, it's obviously not a great score, but I'm still higher than you. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, there's, I just, don't, I don't even know how to talk about some of the parts of this movie. Uh, what, one question I have uh, before I add, uh, just, I just, I just need you to walk me through this. So, Ellie Conway, yes. turns out she's Argyle. Argyle. And, Argyle, sorry. And she's fighting, sorry, she's, she meets Aiden Wilde, who is Sam Rockwell. Mm-hmm. And when she first sees him, she thinks he's Argyle, but he's mm-hmm. actually Wyatt. Mm-hmm. And they are part, or she's part of the division, but she's a double agent who is playing him in, in her prior spy life to steal information from Sam Jackson for the division. No. <laughs> give, Ellie, me, give it to me. Ellie Conway is our Kyle. Ellie Conway's writing is based off of her experiences yeah. in both the CIA and the division. The division is the evil organization, but they recruit a lot of CIA operatives because they're, you know, uh, a spy agency. Yeah. Sam Rockwell is trying to bring down the division with Sam Jackson. It seems like, and that seems like the the whole like premise is Ellie Conway slash Arkyle was playing both sides of the fence. She wanted to help them, but wasn't putting all her eggs in one basket the way Sam Rockwell did. So she was still like an insider at the division, but she was helping Sam Rockwell get the information because if they could get the information, she was going to help turn 
turn the division in and get them shut down or whatever. Uh, so she's a triple agent not working for the division. She was employed by the division, but was trying to bring it down and, but wasn't, you know, she couldn't go all like Sam Rockwell is the classic spy character where this thing is evil. I'm going to go rogue and I'm bringing this thing down. Right. And just announces it to the world. And Ellie Conway is not so sure that that's going to happen. So she, Mm -hmm. she was keeping her cards close to the chest. Yeah. But I think ultimately the whole time she really was working with Sam Rockwell and Sam Jackson, but, and like they, they try to do this like misdirection where she's the one that killed the uh, hacker, but she Mm kind of had to do that because if not, she tips her hand and then the division kills everybody she's ever loved, you know, like, yeah, that's, that's where I got to. Got it. Makes some, makes a lot of sense. Okay. Um, uh, one more before the uh, best movie scene. The up question. Uh, just not a question, but uh, just a thought. Oh, okay. Yeah, Biggest missed opportunity. How do you not have Henry Cavill and John Cena making out on the boat at the end of this movie when the boat is sailing away and they <laughs> cut, they cut from Sam Rockwell and Bryce Dallas Howard on the boat sailing away kissing. And then they cut to John Cena and Henry Cavill and they're also on the boat because they're the actual Argyle and Wyatt. Or the, I don't even know, the fake Argyle. Fictional, yeah. How do you not go from Bryce and Sam kissing to John Cena and Henry Cavill making out? That was the biggest missed opportunity for like a genuine like laugh to just cap the movie off after like the ridiculous last 40 minutes. Like that would have been incredible. They just so underutilized John Cena's like humor, which he's really good at. Yeah. They just, oh man, like I couldn't believe they didn't do that. I'm like, that was. You had it. You had it right there. That that really is a missed opportunity. Yeah. Um, maybe we'll get a director's cut where we yeah. can see that. I, God. Don't, I don't know. I fucking hope not. Um, the, best... the Christopher Nolan four-hour director's cut though, <laughs> of Argyle. And Randy's got to sit through all of it twice. Yeah, yeah literally waterboarding for me. Um, <laughs> best movie scene nominations. I got three. Okay. <laughs> when Ellie Conway remembers that apparently she can ice skate she has to ask sam this yeah she attaches combat knives to her boots and she starts skating on crude oil going around the room killing people that somehow spelled zero blood with two knives because they can't fire a weapon in here because of the oil because it would cause sparks that would light the fire but the knives hitting the ground will not cause sparks (laughs) Will not call in the crude oil. (laughs) And then at the end, there's one person left alive and she shoots them anyway. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So she's literally ice skating on knives around this crude oil, killing people. First scene. Yeah. At the end, Sam Jack, they're trying to transmit the master file to Sam Jackson. Moira Rose, somehow still alive, uses a ballerina box to turn Ellie basically into Captain America Winter Soldier and is now fighting Sam Rockwell trying Mm -hmm. to kill him instead of get the file to Sam Jackson. 
However, she gets saved from a character, can't even remember their name, because they Kira. appeared for 45 seconds in the movie. It's Kira, who, man. Who, who's the, alive. the book. <laughs> it's not. Yeah, it is. Look, no, it's, it's, it's the same Kira. Yes, it is. Is it? Okay. Yeah, it's Kira. Like, um, Kira is the one who, because remember, she gets shot on the mission. Sam Rockwell tells her that's real. And then she yeah. gets this mystery email about how there's this two-inch hole in your heart. And if you get oh, shot through it, it yeah. but you plug. And then that's, yeah. And then Kira comes back and she's like, I knew you were the fan all yeah. along. Or she says something stupid. Yeah. But like, yeah, that's Kira, man. That's how great the book is. Didn't even remember her first name was Kira. Um, yeah, so she's somehow not dead. Complete MacGuffin because a bullet went through this microscopic part of your heart where you can get shot. Two-inch so, hole, baby. <laughs> so she's alive. She kills Moira, who has the Winter Soldier going on Ellie. Scene number two. The third scene was the the train scene where you first meet Aiden Wild, who is yeah we talked yeah the amnesia. He's going back and forth between Henry Cavill. Those are your three scenes. What do you what what, what do you have? I'm a little disappointed that the scene we talked about earlier, where they're fighting their way out of the armory with the smoke and the dancing and the different yeah. colors didn't make it because i thought that was so funny that that is probably my favorite scene but yeah uh i mean you could write in a nominee no i'm i'm not gonna do any write-ins yeah i'm just saying that was my favorite scene of your noms i would give the watchy to the train scene yeah yeah it's get the watch legitimately the best scene the ice skating one is really funny though. Like I like them for different reasons. I thought the whole point of the ice skating one was to be ridiculous and make fun of action movies. But the train scene I thought was less of a joke and more of a, Hey, I'm going to do this really cool action sequence that everybody will enjoy. Yeah. Uh, and that hit better for me than the comedy of the ice skating scene. And that's why I'll give the watchy to that one. Yeah. I just feel like you get, you get one, you get the smoke, fight or you get the ice skating scene but they did them literally back to back and yeah it took 30 to 35 minutes by which point i've already been sitting watching this absolute f***ing train wreck for two hours and now i have to sit through back to back scenes so just too much yeah just too by that point i was so done world building and aesthetics you i'm know just gonna jump right in here i'm sorry Oh, go ahead. Sorry, go ahead. No, you got. I was going to say, I agree with your point that they shouldn't have been back to back because it made the movie unnecessarily long. I think what would have been better instead of the crude oil scene is if they had gone with like an Indiana Jones type scene where maybe like Ellie's about to fight that bad guy that you've seen the whole time with a knife and Sam Rockwell just walks in and is like, fuck this and shoots him. And like, you could have saved 20 minutes. Yeah. Right. And it would have been kind of funny. And. I think it ultimately would have been a net positive to the plot if you make, because I realized you had to get some closure on that bad yeah. guy character, but it could have just been something super quick and easy. And like, you could, it literally could have been the exact same scene from, from Indiana Jones, like, a, yeah. like making fun of that, yeah. where he, he brings he out beat. a whip and Sam Rock yeah. was like, no, no, shoot. And like, yeah, that would have been funny. That would have yeah. been funny. Yeah. Uh, but this movie didn't know how to be funny, so they wouldn't have done it, that. It did know how to be. There was yeah. funny parts in this movie. I'm gonna. I'm not trying to like be a movie defender, but there, I laughed yeah. in this movie. Um, yeah. Um, but hit world me building. With the world, yeah. 
world build world building and aesthetics. Uh, I'm giving this a zero out of five for this literally sinks before it swims. I mean, this is, we said book four or five. We have no fucking clue who any of the major players are, what their motivations are. It's so convoluted. The CGI looks like dog shit and it just drains this franchise before it can even get off fucking ground. Like I came away, if we're talking about world building, I came away understanding less about the world of Argyle than I did before the movie started. <laughs> so zero out of five for me. That's a that's a high score. I, I don't know if we ever rated something that highly. Uh, what do you got? I, I think you're going to reach through this uh, camera and smack me. But I this is I over a three. It. I'm I'm hanging up. <laughs> I actually gave it a three out of five. So I hit the I hit the threshold. You have to listen to me talk now. You're not allowed oh to hang up god. with me. Oh my god. <laughs> okay. Just... And here's why. I gave it a like a one and a half out of mm-hmm. two and a half for each world building and yeah. aesthetics because aesthetically, I thought it was fine. You had a yeah. really cool like grease scene. I thought again, the smoke and the the train scene were really well done. You got some beautiful visuals from France and they used real London, I think. I don't know, it looked like real London. So, um, I don't know. I thought just visually they picked some pretty cool locations. There were some great shots and I can't give it a zero because it's not like it was an ugly movie. It, you know, like aesthetically, like it was nice on, like those locations were nice on the eyes. That's all I'm saying. And then for world building, I actually think if you're going to intentionally write a bad movie for marketing purposes, you know, as like a tie into a movie you're already making, um, going meta with it and having this movie be about the author, but then try, and I don't think the execution of tying in the characters was great, but if you're going to make it meta and have, you know, the author and the real characters and who they really are and, and build this world where, you know, you've already set up where books a potential book four and five are going to kind of lead you there, mm-hmm. but still leave some gaps. I thought that's actually a, a a pretty cool idea. I think I would prefer it if it was a book that was really well done and then they did that to that book, right? Mm-hmm. Like, if, I, don't know, I don't have an example, but uh, that would be cool. And I thought the premise was cool and it gives it a lot of places this franchise could have went if it had been successful. So again- a 1.5. I gave a three. So, well, 1.5 for world, but oh, okay. 1.5 gotcha. for aesthetics. Gotcha. Okay. For a, a three for the category. I don't know. That's. Yeah. And then, you know, I know we're going to talk about soundtrack next and like a, a needle drop. It's David Bowie's Let's Dance. And I refuse to listen to you say anything other. That was. I love great Bowie. Needle drop. But it's not my favorite Bowie song. Um, but well, I love only Bowie. Bowie song in the movie. <laughs> I'm just saying, yeah. Like, oh, yeah, picking yeah, one not, Bowie song, yeah, yeah. Oh, I'm not picking that as my favorite Bowie song yeah. either. But as a needle drop in this movie yeah. where they used it, it's great. I, yeah. I, and if you pick a different song, I'm going to tell you you're wrong. So, yeah, I mean, soundtrack, I just, I, I gave this one, I mean, it got above zero. I gave it a 0.5 for Jesus. <laughs> I mean, we don't, we don't get an original soundtrack really. Argyle, it's a no, spy movie. He needs a theme. Like a quintessential yeah. part of spy movies is like they got to yeah. have a theme. Your agent. We don't get that. I gave it a 0. 0.5 just for Bowie. Um, 
However, any goodwill built was immediately wiped out when a song starts playing and Ellie and Sam, I just, I can't even call them their, I don't even, I'm calling them Sam at this point. I'm not calling them wild. <sighs> Say, oh my God, it's our song. And the song is the AI Beatles song that came out four <laughs> months ago. <laughs> When they're like, this has been our song for five years or something, or five years ago. This song literally came out last fall. Like, when is this movie taking place? 2040? And it's just like, it's just shoved in there because this is an Apple production and they just put it out last. I mean, this, uh, everything about this just oozes with just like a bunch of fucking morons sitting in a boardroom trying to think how they can like capitalize on assets and what they think will work for marketing. Yeah. It was just so bad. I just, I literally couldn't believe that that was the song they put in there. You have a whole catalog yeah. of great love songs you could have picked and you go with that. Oh, so 0.5 for me. There's literally a million love songs you could have picked. Yeah. What did you give soundtrack? Mm, I gave it a 1.5. <laughs> uh, so I wasn't high on it, yeah. obviously, but I thought David Bowie's Let's Dance, I was I was boogieing it in the theater. I was shaking yeah. it a little bit. Um, and I, I like the way that Matthew Vaughn uses sound in his action sequences. Um, so I thought, like, on the train scene, it. I don't know how else to explain this other than it feels like you're watching an onomatopoeia. Like, sometimes it feels like you're watching the screen go punch, kick, yeah. pow. Uh, yeah. I don't know what that is or how he does that but i really mm -hmm. enjoy that so i think that's a good use of sound and um i didn't like i i agree that it was a ridiculous song choice but like it was a nice spot to have music where the beatles ai song was playing like i liked what they were doing i think that whole dance i forget what they called it but where he like picks her up the whirly bird the whirly bird. I thought the whirly bird was hysterical. And then the reverse whirly bird in the scene with the, the smoke was, was funny to me. Yeah. Um, so I gave Good it, times. I, mean, I gave it a 1.5. Obviously I'm not high on it, but I do think there was some good uses of sound in the movie. Yeah. Uh, also I knew yeah. you were get, scoring this movie like a two <laughs> out of 25. So I felt like I had to give it something. <laughs> Yeah, no, I get it. Um, just, uh, yeah, some just crazy choices. Um, I'm most upset about not having a spy theme. You got to have a spy theme. Oh, like you can't you can't score a, a two or better if there's no spy theme in yeah. a spy movie. Yeah, it doesn't work. Legacy standalone appeal. This is, we're heading back to goose egg territory. Zero out of five. This movie is dead on arrival. Like, I I will be shocked if we see another Booker movie in the Argyle franchise after the loss they're about to take on this. I just, they sank the ship right out of the gate by I think getting way too ahead of themselves on building out a franchise instead of just staying focused on like making a singularly good movie. And it just, it just makes me, it makes, makes me upset. So zero to five for me. What are you giving it? 1.5. Uh, I mean, obviously the box office numbers aren't great. I don't know what the budget was. Uh, we probably could have given that as background what the budget was. 200 million. Was it really? Yeah. Oh, so this is a, 
way this bigger. It's gonna be a flop. massive flop. <laughs> uh, uh, you know what? I'm gonna give it a one. I'm gonna have to change my score. I didn't know that. I thought this was gonna be like a, a 40, 50 million dollar budget because I thought getting all those people for one day would have been fine. You know, like yeah. not expensive. Um, yeah. It's just okay. Twenty so, years from now, we're just not going to be talking about this movie. It yeah. just has no legacy to it. There are some people online who seem to like it. Yeah, you know, like there are pockets of people that thought it was really good. I don't think this has a ton or really much at all rewatchability. I thought it was fun to see once. Um, it got me to go to a movie theater. That was cool. It's not going to win the Greg Hansen rewatch award. No, he's out on this one big time. Standalone appeal. I had to give it something because yeah, people are seeing it and there are positive reviews. So I gave it a one and like, I agree with your sentiment completely that this probably killed the Argyle franchise. The only way I could see them bringing it back is if they put a lot of effort into making a second book dynamite, like, book of the year good i mean it would have to be it it can't be written by hollywood it has to the writers have to be given a lot of time to do it right and only talk about it with other like vaughn hollywood can have no say in the plot in how it's written in the execution and then you make a kingsman style movie where it's less of a joke but a little bit more serious for the second one but after losing, I mean, they're pro- 200 million in budget, let's call it 100 million, let's conservatively, 50 million in marketing. So 250 yeah. million, they're probably going to end up losing 200 million. I don't think they're going to get that kind of time to do that. I think if it had gotten close to breaking even, we might see yeah. something like that happen. But I, I agree. I think this is, this is DOA, uh, yeah. which is unfortunate because I was kind of looking forward to a new a new spy genre and with the cast we had in this one, I thought it was going to be fun and yeah. it's an unfortunate miss for me. Yeah. What's your total score then? It's a 10 out of 25 for me. 10 out of 25 for you, two out of 25 for me. This is a 12 out of 50. I guarantee this <laughs> is going to be one of our lowest <laughs> we ever do. Uh, so this is above Jurassic Park, right? You hit yeah. that one. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, um, the winners of the awards. We had a uh, Sam Rockwell for casting. Well, hang on, you got to Sam Rockwell was awesome. You got to have a awesome. little bit of life when you say Sam Rockwell won an yeah. award here. Sam Rockwell, he was great. Um, there you go. Give me a little something. Scene. What do we get? The train scene. Yeah. And uh, oh, who won the who won the movie? Stole the show. Oh, I have uh, two nominees. And obviously, my first nominee is Sam Rockwell, and I'm pretty yep. sure he's one of your nominees as well. Yep. The other I have is uh, Boomers and Randy, who are fans of going to the movie theater. And the reason I say that is because this was an Apple TV original. And for Apple TV to produce something that doesn't go directly to their streaming platform is a win, I think. And it's unfortunate that this didn't do better because this might give pause to that happening more. But I do think that's a win that that happened at all. Yeah. Yeah, I put a uh, Sam Rockwell done and dusted. Uh Samuel L. Jackson, I said probably just because he cashed a fat check for literally sitting in a office chair watching the Lakers. Uh he yeah, really came true. out on top that's of a this good one. movie. 
uh, who you going with? I, I mean, we both had Sam Rockwell. Yeah. And if it ends up on both of our lists, we got to give yeah, him a second gotta watchy. It. We got to take it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Two watchies for Sam Rockwell. Yeah. Almost a sleep. Actually, a sweep. three. No, it is three. a sleep because he was yeah. the main, or at least the yeah. co-main person in that train scene. Yeah. So. yeah. Big, big sweep. Clean sweep for Sam Rockwell. Nick, do you, uh, do you recommend this movie? Um, I will say, uh, if it comes out on streaming or when it comes out on streaming and it, and if you have Apple TV and it's of no cost to you to watch and you don't know what else to watch or like, like a beach movie, you want something on in the background, but you guys are kind of talking and having fun. Like you could definitely do that. Yeah. I think there are certain situations where, but this makes sense, but don't. Don't go spend 13 bucks on a movie ticket to see this. Dear God, please don't. Uh, as Randy said before, we read the book, so you don't have to. That's kind of a pretty, not kind of, that's a pretty accurate stance yeah. for this one. Um, you don't even need to take, read the book to go see this movie. <laughs> yeah, honestly, it's, <laughs> it's probably better as a, it's probably better as a standalone than it is yeah. as an adaption, adap, an adaption, adaptation. adaptation. Yeah. I can speak. I know words. Yeah. I speak English good. Yeah. Can't recommend any good faith. But uh, thank you for listening, everybody. Next episode that comes out uh, will actually be tackling the Ballad of Songbirds and Snakes. I'm pumped. One, one cinematic pumped. masterpiece to another. Uh, if you have thoughts or questions you want to share, please reach out to us uh, by email at rewatchplaypod at gmail or message us on Instagram at rewatchplaypodcast. Okay, despite what Randy just said, I promise we will be more positive on the Ballad of Songbird and Snakes because we've talked about it already. So, yeah, <laughs> I think I gave it. <laughs> don't, don't, spoil, no spoilers. Half, yeah, no yeah. Spoilers. <laughs> no spoilers. No spoilers. Yeah. Uh, you can find us on all your major platforms Spotify, Apple, wherever you get your podcasts. Please rate and review five stars only, as those things help more people find the show. And most importantly, please tell your friends about the pod if you're enjoying it. Thanks to everyone for listening. Thank you, Nick, for joining me. I hate you for making me read this book uh but that's all right can't win them all till next time everybody (laughs)